chapter 4. How many of you remember the power of perception? Hallelujah. I hope you're perceiving correctly. If you perceive correctly, you won't miss things. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. For those of you who are not musicians, you need to time bathroom breaks so that when the word gets ready to start, you don't need bathroom or water. Amen. You got to perceive correctly because you'll miss some important things if you don't perceive correctly. God grace the musicians because they can't move. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 1, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, although the works were finished <clears throat> from the foundation of the world, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience, again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, in the Psalms, saying in David, today, after such a long time, as it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua, and King James said Jesus, but Jesus is the, is the Greek, Joshua is the Hebrew, all right? For if Joshua had given them this rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest, for he, small h, who has entered his rest, capital H, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Now, remember verse 3, the latter part of it. 
although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. I want to use for a thought today, it's from the finished work. Tell your neighbor, neighbor. It's from the finished work. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord, that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. I thank you that you've prospered your word already in the things that you've sent your word to. So thank you for sending your word to us. Thank you for prospering your word. Thank you for what your word is going to accomplish in our lives. Speak now, Lord, for your servants here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's from the finished work. Hallelujah. It's from the finished work. Please pay close attention because the Lord will minister some practical things, but some vital things concerning faith in today's message. And it is faith that we must have if we will receive and live in our spiritual inheritance in Christ Jesus. Mind you, there is nowhere else to live and be blessed. When I say blessed, I'm talking about being profited, being benefited, being expanded, enlarged, prospered. There's nowhere else to live in this life and be blessed. Nowhere else but in our spiritual inheritance in Christ Jesus. We must live in faith. We must live in faith. Where must we live? Amen. If we're going to be benefited, profited, expanded, enlarged, where must we live? We must live in faith. Therefore, this message is vital to us. I know you say, well, Bishop, we know about faith. Let's just pay attention, please, ma'am and please, sir. Even though you know about faith, maybe you'll get a revelation today. This month of the Hebrew calendar, God's calendar, is the first month of the year. You need a revelation of this. You need a, rev you need a revelation of this. Uh, I, I, yeah. I need you all to move up if you're back. If you're not in the sound booth, come on up a little bit closer. Don't look back. I ain't talking to y'all. I'm talking to the... Make people feel bad when you look back at them. <laughs> Amen. I just need you to be closer. It's so easy to get distracted when you're sitting back. And if somebody's sitting beside you and they look at their, if they get a text message and they look down at them and nudge them and say, don't look at it no more. You know, because what you're saying is that, that person that's texting you is more important than God. Amen. Amen. So that's why when I go into worship, I leave my phone in the car. When I come in the sanctuary, I leave it in my desk drawer. I'm, this, I'm at work. If you're on call, I can understand if you're at work. But if you're not on call, don't bring your phone in the sanctuary anymore because it's too dangerous. Amen. It's too easy. Or either turn it off if you bring it in. Don't even put it on vibrate. Because you put it on vibrate and in your pocket, you're going to feel it. And you attempt it because we're so accustomed to these gadgets today. They've become such a part of our lives that we, we automatically respond. And I'm not throwing off at anybody, but you know it's the truth. 
Yeah, yeah. So just, just the best thing to do is leave it in your pocketbook or turn it all the way off or leave it in the car because the only, by, only somebody that should be texting you if you're not at work because they got to get a message to you doing worship is God. And he don't need to text you. <laughs> Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. This month, this month on the Hebrew calendar, which is God's calendar. The Catholic Church changed the calendar. God didn't change the calendar. <clears throat> so we have to remember that. The first month of the year. And it is in this month that Joel prophesied that God will give the former rains and the latter rains in the same month. That basically means that God was going to give double blessings to the people, to his people in the same month. Double increase. You got to hear this thing. <clears throat> Double favor, hallelujah, double outpouring. You got to hear this thing. You got to get a revelation of this. Uh, that's why I show, you know, and I thought about this, you know, and I shared this a few weeks ago, and this is, this is hopefully all in the message today. I thought about how, you know, when we were growing up and, and how people, why people did this, whether they got it uh, from the world and where the world got it from, because most governments base their laws on Scripture. But, you know, the church year would always end in October or end in September and start a new church year in October. And I don't know where they got that concept from, but if we would take it in the spiritual realm, this is the first of the year, not January. October is the first of the year on the Hebrew calendar. And this is the time, I'll say it again, and you can catch it if you want to, and if you don't want to, that's up to you. Um, this is the time that Joel prophesied that God would give them the former rains and the latter rains in the same month, in the same month, double, double blessings, double increase, double favor, double outpouring. The blessings of this month would cause acceleration in their growing season. Hear this now. We'll call acceleration in that growing season, which will cause increased crop growth and early abundant harvest, and would also set them up for a second planting season in the, and a second harvest in the same year. Are you hearing? This blessing was dealing with financial prosperity financial prosperity. There are principles that God has put in place in his word, and once we learn to work God's principles, then we learn, then we begin to walk in the favor and the flow of God. But we've got to learn to work God's principles, and we got to see what God is doing, where he's doing it. You know, that's why we cannot afford to be distracted. When I was in the meeting this week, one of the things that they, that that was pointed out so clearly is how often we are distracted. And if we're going to hear God, we have to shut down and get in a quiet place and listen to the Lord. We got to shut television down. We got to shut off media. Amen. Some of you testified to me that when we were on that fast and we fasted from media, what God spoke and what God did to you during those times when you were not on Facebook and you were not communicating to people all of the time talking because some of our conversations don't glorify God. 
And sometimes even if they glorify God, they take time away from us in the presence of God. And so we got to learn how to get back in the presence of God, and we got to learn how to train our ears to hear God. And this is one of the areas that we need to train our ears to hear the Lord in because we have been accustomed, we've been trained oppositely. We have been trained, amen, not to sow seed in the kingdom of God. We have been trained to work so that we can pay our bills and to save to go on vacation. And some of us don't save to go on vacation. We will not pay a bill to go on vacation. But when it comes to sowing in the kingdom of God, we won't do the same thing for the kingdom of God. We'll say, I got to pay my bills and I can't afford to sow this seed when it came time to go on a vacation and you did not pay a bill so you could go on a vacation. Now that's backwards, amen? And if I was Worldly, I'd say it another way, but since I ain't worldly, I won't say it that way. But that is A backwards. Y'all got the message. How can you believe God to put the money back that you, that, you, that you didn't pay the bill to go on your vacation and you can't believe God, amen, who promises to give seed to the sower and when it comes an opportunity to sow into the kingdom of God, you say, I don't have it. When you know, yeah, you got a bill that's due down the road, amen, but you believe God that if you sow into his kingdom that God is going to give you a harvest in time to pay that bill. Lord, have mercy. Yeah. So anyway, and that's not to throw off on anybody. It's kind of shake us. The choir just finished singing about the shaking in the spirit. And I gotta, y'all got to talk to me about that beating in the spirit. But, but, uh, but I want you to hear what you said, young people. And I want you to understand what you were saying. Because you're setting yourself up for the Holy Ghost to do something in you. Because the Lord don't want us coming up in here putting, and saying stuff. And, and the Holy Ghost does need to do something because there's some things that our parents can't do. They might want to do it, but they can't do it. People tell me they're going to beat the devil out of you. We can't beat the devil out of you. But you just said that the Holy Ghost was going to beat something out of you. Or you said you felt a beating and a shaking. So just, I want you to know that. And I'm decreeing and declaring over your life that before this week is out, there's going to be a shaking and a beating and a... And a, and, a, and, a, and a turning in your life that you have never experienced before because you stood in a sanctuary and a prophetic declaration came forth out of your mouth. And I decree and declare that that prophetic declaration will come forth in the name of Jesus. Parents, get ready for it. Amen. Get ready to see a difference in your child's life. They might come to you crying. They might wake up, wake up over in the middle of the night and say, Dad, I don't know what's going on. Mama, I don't know what's going on. But something is happening, and I want to understand what's going on. I want you to know that you made a prophetic declaration. I decree and declare that it will come forth in your life. And I'm not saying it to make you afraid to say anything anymore. I'm just saying it so the Holy Ghost can make a difference in your life. Because if the Holy Ghost doesn't make a difference in your life, the devil will tie your life up. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. 
So th- th- this blessing in this month, and I want us to catch this thing, is dealing with financial prosperity. How many of you can stand a financial blessing? Uh, you better raise both hands and both feet. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, 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 yeah. There would be those, listen now, there would be those who would hear, refuse, or fail to obey and fail to follow and consequently not experience the end result of their faith. But there would be those who would hear this, receive this, and, and, and receive the end result of their faith. Now the emphasis in Hebrews is that the true believers have an eternal salvation because they, are, they, they trust a living Savior who constantly intercedes for them. But the writer of Hebrews is careful to point out that this confidence is no excuse for sin. God disciplines his children, all right? In the previous chapter, references made to Canaan. It doesn't necessarily say Canaan, but references made to Canaan. And the rest from the wilderness wandering that was provided for and available to the Hebrew people once they made it into Canaan. Now, if you know the story of Canaan, Canaan is the land promised to them. A land what? Flowing with? Yeah, you know the story of Canaan. Land flowing, which meant that there was great provision in Canaan. There was great provision in Canaan. An entire generation of people, amen, that came out of Egypt died in the wilderness and did not enter this rest, all right? Canaan was to be a place where the people would receive rest from their labors, rest from wandering in the wilderness, rest from the labor of being in slavery under Egyptian bondage, working day in and day out, not making any profit from their labor, but benefiting someone else. Canaan was a place of rest, but there was a, there was a whole generation of people who died in the wilderness and did not enter that rest. Why did they die? They died because of their unbelief. They did not live in faith. Now, our forefathers mistakenly referred to Canaan for believers as heaven. We used to sing a song when I was little, I'm on my way to Canaan land. Y'all remember hearing that song? Well, they used to sing it. I won't take time to sing it for you this morning. If you don't go, don't hinder me. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. There's nothing you can do to turn me around. They mistakenly, mistakenly, somebody say mistakenly, Mistakenly. referred to Canaan for believers as heaven. However, Canaan for believers is not a picture of heaven, but of the believer's present spiritual inheritance in Christ Jesus. Canaan is a picture of the believer's present spiritual inheritance in Christ. Consequently, believers who doubt God's word, believers who don't approach God's word in faith, or believers who fail to believe God's word and rebel against him, do not miss heaven, but they do miss out on the blessings of their inheritance 
today. Do I need to say that again? Believers who doubt God's word don't miss heaven. You're going to go to heaven because you believe Jesus died for your sins. But what you do miss, you miss the, the, the blessings of your inheritance that are here for you today. Blessings that come as we are in faith, living by faith, eager for God and the ways of God, making prophetic declarations, standing against the schemes and the tricks of the enemy, and living in victory here and now. These are the blessings that we miss. These are the blessings that we miss because we doubt God's word. Amen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not only that, but when you don't live in faith, you must suffer the chastening of the Lord. When you don't live in faith, you must. Somebody say, I must. Now listen, whether you decree all your life or not, it's going to happen. Because the Bible says those that the Lord loves, he does what? He whips you because he loves you. Those that the Lord loves, he chastens. So if you don't live in faith, you're going to suffer the chastening of the Lord. Why? Because God is trying to get you in faith. He's trying to get you in faith. He's doing everything he can to get you in faith. He realizes what's happening in your life when you're not in faith. You don't realize what's happening in your life because the devil has blinded the minds of those that don't believe. The devil has gotten your eyes blinded, your mind blinded, and you can't see, and God is whipping you, trying to cause your eyes to come open, and here you are still stubborn, getting mad at God. That's why you can't get mad at God. You need to get mad at yourself and the devil. Amen? When you have to be chastised, ain't no sense in getting mad at God. Get mad at yourself and get mad at the devil for blinding your eyes. When you feel the chastening of the Lord, you need to say, Lord, what are, what's going on? Why is this coming in my life? God, help me to see what you want out of me. Why am I experiencing what I'm experiencing? What are you trying to do, Lord? Show me. It's so easy for us to point the finger at somebody else. It's so easy for us to say, this person caused this and this person did that. No, what did you do? Yeah. Well, well, now, understanding all of this, what must we do? Well, when you look at verses 1 through 8 of, of, of this chapter 4, it begins to outline some things that we must do. It's important to note that believers today may enter and enjoy their spiritual inheritance in Christ. Now, notice that I use the word may. May means that we have permission to. We have permission to enter our spiritual inheritance in Christ. It does not mean that it automatically will happen. A lot of us believe once I get saved, then these things are going to automatically happen to me. It does not mean that this will automatically happen. It means that you have permission to enter. I say, come in. I'm giving you permission to come. You don't have to come, but you have the permission to come. You can choose to stand outside of the door. And a lot of people choose to stand outside of the door rather than coming into that spiritual inheritance. 
Do you understand? We have permission to enter. Jesus is our door of access. We have permission to enter and enjoy our spiritual inheritance in Christ. But we must be careful lest we fail to believe God's word. That's why he says here, hallelujah, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of entering his rest. Let us fear. Let us be careful lest any of you seem to come short. Lord, have mercy. Be careful. Look at your life now. Do you seem to come short of entering his rest? Let me go a little bit further with this. We have to be careful lest we fail to believe God's word. Because it's only as the word of God is mixed with faith that it can accomplish its purpose. You see why people fail to enter the rest? Because they hear the word, but they don't mix the word with faith. So they don't enter the rest. Now, I'm not talking about heaven. I ain't talking about dying and going to heaven. I'm talking about right here and now. People don't have peace. People don't have financial security. People can't sleep. People not getting along with one another. Because they're not mixing the word with faith. We live in a generation of people who like to pick and choose what suits them. This is a smorgasbord kind of religion. It's not faith. It's not the God kind of faith. Because the God kind of faith submits to God. It may not feel good to me. The word may not feel good to me. I might even feel tore up from the floor up from sitting under the preaching of the word of God. But I do not get up and leave the sanctuary. I do not get from, from this church to that church because the word seems to be picking on me. I sit down and I hear what God has to say. And I take that word and I mix that word with faith because it's only in mixing that word with faith that the word will do in me what needs to be done. I can't do in you what needs to be done. I don't have that power. But the word of God, which is active and alive and sharper than a two-edged sword that cuts to the division asunder of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow of the bones. The Word of God that gets into those creases, into those tight places, into those places that you don't let nobody else in. It gets there. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. So you got to mix the Word with faith. The argument in this section is given in several propositions. Um, the first one is that God finished his work and rested so that his rest has been available since creation. 
All right? This, this is where this teaches. God finished his work, and the seventh day God rested. So the rest of God has been available since creation. The second one is that the Jews had an opportunity to enter God's rest, but they failed to enter that rest. It was provided for them, but they failed to enter. The third one is that many years later, Psalm 95, and I'm going to turn there right quick and just read just a little bit of it. Psalm 95, many years later, somebody said many years later. Say decades later. Say even in 2013. God said that a rest is still available. Oh, yes. You got to hear God calling us, his people, into his rest. Psalm 95 says, oh, come. Somebody say, oh, come. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come. Ah, before his presence with thanksgiving, let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King upon all the earth. Oh, come, verse 6 says, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. Verse 8, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion, as in the trial in the wilderness when your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they saw my works. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said it is a people who go astray in their hearts, in their will, in their will. You know why we sin? Because we want to do it. And they do not know my ways. You don't just need to know the Word of God. You need to know the ways of God. Knowing the ways of God will keep us out of a whole lot of trouble. Young people, are you hearing me? Knowing the ways of God will keep you out of a whole lot of trouble. Are y'all hearing? Knowing the ways of God will keep you out of a whole lot of trouble. So it's not just enough to know His Word. You got to know His ways. The ways of God will speak volumes to you. The ways of God will say, God wouldn't even go in this place. God wouldn't do this. God, this is not God's way. God wouldn't say this. This is not God's way. Knowing the ways of God. We know the ways of the world, and we are molded and shaped by the ways of the world because we spend so much time in the world. Are y'all listening? We spend volumes of time in the world. We spend time on our jobs. We spend time in school. We spend time with our friends. We spend time listening to music that's not godly music. We spend time watching television, watching movies, going to the movies, doing all kinds of things. And we spend two hours on Sunday in the presence of the Lord. So we know the ways of the world. But we need to know the ways of God. And some of the reason we have some of the questions that we have is because we don't know the ways of God. 
And every Sunday you come into this, into this sanctuary and every time you pick up the Bible and read, God is trying to show you his ways, but there's a blockage. Glory to God. Your mind has been blinded. You get angry and you say, oh, the pastor doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just trying to keep me in bondage. Jesus said, he that the Son sets free is free indeed. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. But you don't want truth. You want the ways of the world. You don't want God's ways and that's why you stay in bondage. That's what a real bondage is. There's a rest that's available for us. The Canaan rest for Israel is a picture of the spiritual rest that we find in Christ when we surrender to him. What is this spiritual rest in Christ? When we come to Jesus by faith, we find salvation rest. Matthew 11 and 28 says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you I want to show you a picture today. Because sin is hard. Sin, sin is hard on our bodies and on our spirits. Come here, Joshua. Come on. Sin is hard on our bodies and our spirits. And when we first start in sin, sin, you know, can be kind of light. You know, it's light when we first get involved in sin, you know, and we, we carry it around, and it's not too heavy, you know. We can, we can, we can, we, we're, we're, we're laden, but, but we're not heavy laden. But the longer we stay in sin, come here, Dre. Come on. Come on. The longer, the longer we stay in sin, Sin gets heavier and heavier and heavier. The longer we stay in sin, it's a heavy laden. And we may try to shake it off, but, but we can't shake it off because it's been on there so long. We've been, we've been bound with it so long. And we're shaking and we're twisting and we, we, we're trying to shake it off. But Jesus... There's only one way to get free from sin, and that's through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. He said, all you labor and and I will give you rest. I will set you free. It's only through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary, trusting in his finished work on Calvary, he took that heavy load of sin upon himself for you and for me. He suffered. He bled. He died because of that heavy load of sin that we were laden with. Nobody else could do what Jesus did. Nobody else could break the bondage of sin over our lives. 
Oh, you, 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 the, the Lord just gave me that image because when we say this scripture, we don't realize how much power sin will have on us and over us. And we do not realize the gravity and the weight of sin. It starts out light, but the longer you stay under it, the heavier it gets. Now, now I, I, I would have Brother Carlson get up here and jump on my back, but I, I don't think that. <laughs> but I just want you to understand. I want us to see the picture. The longer you stay under it, the heavier it gets. Oh, God. Jesus came to give us rest. Salvation rest. Remember, before Jesus breathed his last words on the cross, he said, what? It is finished. It is finished. He had finished the work of salvation rest. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah right here. But there's another rest ah, that we have that is part of our spiritual inheritance in Christ. Remind you, I'm still not talking about going to heaven. I'm not talking about going to heaven today. I'm talking about in the here and now. When we yield to the Lord and when we learn of the Lord and obey him by faith, we enter submission rest. Somebody say submission rest. Matthew 11 goes on to say, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find what? Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For everybody that say that, 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 that coming to Christ is, is a bondage, you saw the bondage right there. Sin is the bondage. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. There is nothing that God will put on you that will destroy your life. Everything God will put on you is going to give you life. Because Jesus said, I come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Everything that the Lord gives to you is going to give you life. It's going to be an increase of life. God is trying to pour out life in you. God is trying to stir up your hopes and your dreams. Those things that he put inside of you before you were formed in your mother's womb. When you, he knew you before the foundation of the world. God is trying to pour that out in you. He's trying to stir that up in you. He's trying to give you life. Matter of fact, God's DNA is in your blood. It doesn't make any difference what family you were born in. It doesn't make any difference what happened in your life. It doesn't make any difference what people said of you, about you. If you can just get in faith, glory to God, and believe God, amen, and, and, and begin, to, begin to go back and remember the hopes and the dreams and the visions that God put inside of you, his DNA is in your system, and you are destined Does anybody understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Yeah. My yoke is easy, my burden in the life. The first of this uh, 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 submission rest is the P is peace with God. Romans 5 and 1 says, since we are now justified by faith, we are peace with God. We're no longer, excuse me, we're no longer at odds with God. We're no longer God's enemy. When we submit to God through faith in Jesus Christ and we begin to learn his word, glory to God, study his word, we're justified. Well, 
when we accept Jesus, we're justified by faith in Jesus Christ. So we're no longer God's enemy. The second part of this submission rest is the peace of God. Yeah, yeah. Y'all still in the house? Glory to God. We have peace with God, but we also have the peace of God. Philippians chapter 4. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yee, thank you, Jesus. Ah, hallelujah. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 uh, says, Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. How many of y'all came to church today anxious about something? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, but in everything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Wow. 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 You're anxious about something. You're not in, you're not in submission rest. <laughs> Jesus died. God raised him from the dead so that you could have not only salvation rest, but submission rest. So that the peace of God can keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. So that you're not walking around anxious about things. You're not worried about things. Sometimes people think you ought to be worried. You ain't worried. That thing happened. Why you not just, you didn't just, lo- no, I'm not losing it. God is in control. He's in control of every situation. Every, yesterday, I went to the funeral of one of my uncles by marriage. Now, you know, in our family, you know, that's a lot of folk that died this year. Whole lot of people. In one year, I mean, my mama died in February. My, uh, my uncle died in, 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 a couple of days later. Her sister died a couple of days after that. Somebody else died. Now, here, uncle by marriage, and, you know, I was talking to one of my cousins, and she said, this is a whole, I said, yeah, but God is in control. We can't lose it. This is out of our control. It's out of our control. God does not want us walking around here like we don't know what to do and who to call on. I told you last Sunday that, that, that sometimes we can't hear God because we grieve too long. You got to learn how to let things go. Because grief will stop you from hearing God. So he gives you his peace in the midst of what you're going through. Let me hurry up and finish this. Y'all still in the house? Is this blessing anybody? Yeah, 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 yeah. The peace of God. It is by believing, which means being in faith, that we enter into this rest. It is by obeying God by faith and surrendering to his will that his rest enters into us. I'll say it again. It is by believing, it is by being in faith that we enter into his rest. It is by obeying God by faith and surrendering to his will that his rest enters into us. I got to be at peace in my spirit. I got to be at rest in me. A lot of us have the peace with God, but we've not yet allowed the peace of God to rule in our hearts and our minds. Ooh, Jesus. Wow. What is God not in control of? 
Huh? What is God not in control of? So why are you worried? Why are you worried? Why do you get yourself in situations running off at the mouth because you think you need to handle things? Shut your mouth. God is in control. Let the peace of God rule your heart. When stuff starts happening, God, you got it. God, you, you, you got this thing. It's going to be all right. I know it's going to be all right. Because, Lord, you are in control of every situation. You're in control of every circumstance. I see Isaiah sitting in the throne room, and, 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 I mean, Isaiah, and he said, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, sitting on the throne, which meant God is still in control. He's not relinquished his throne. He has not relinquished his throne. He's still sitting there. Oh, Lord, have mercy. And the host got to bow down to God. The devil got to bow to God. Are you hearing me? Lord God Almighty, before Jesus breathed his last breath on Calvary, Jesus said, y'all don't believe it. Before he breathed his last breath on Calvary, he said, oh, Lord God Almighty. He finished the work of salvation rest and submission rest on the cross. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah right there. So, 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 so what do we do at this point of understanding? Because we're understanding this, right? If you're not understanding, I need to go back over it. Maybe I need to have a private session. That's all right. Yeah. Come Wednesday night. Glory to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do we do? At this point of understanding and receptivity. Because if you're understanding, you're receiving. Right? We need to put forth some effort. We must labor. Verse 9. Verse 9 says, uh, yes, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who had, no, verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Let us therefore be diligent. One translation says, give diligence. It's a good translation of this word, of this admonition. Diligence is the opposite of drifting. How many of you know what drifting is? You put a stick in the, in the river and just drifts by the current. Has nobody to guide it. It's just drifting. A leaf that's blown by the wind has no guidance. It's just blown. It's just out there drifting. Sometimes people are called drifters. They just go from here to there. They have no guidance. Lord, have mercy. Sometimes in faith, we're just drifting. We're drifting. We're drifting. But the Bible says we need to give diligence. We need to give diligence to this issue. How do we give diligence? By paying close attention to the Word of God. Israel did not believe God's Word. So they rebelled in the wilderness and they failed. They died. A whole generation. See, we live in a time now that we get mad with God when people start dropping off dead. If God just, 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 just start causing a whole lot of people just to die, we'd be mad at Him. Why, could a, why would a good God cause so many people to die or allow so many people to die? 
This is the generation that we live in because we don't know the ways of God. But they died in the wilderness. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says what? So then, Romans 10 and 17, so then faith cometh. So I need to give diligence to the word of God. If my faith is to grow, if my faith is to be strong, are we listening? I need to give diligence. I need to put forth effort in this thing. How many of you learn songs easily? Why do you learn them easily? Because you keep going over and over and over and over again. You listen to them over and over and over again. So what do you need to do with the word? You ain't going, you're not giving diligence to the word of God because you come to church on Sunday. You're not giving diligence to the word of God because you pick up your Bible once or twice during the week. You learned your job. You can do your job without looking at the instruction book anymore. You will go to training for your job. Anything new comes out, you own it because you want to do what? Not only do you want to learn it, but you want what? You want to stay on top and it excel. And if any opportunity for promotion comes, you want to be right in there. Why don't you do the same thing to God? Why don't you do the same thing with the Word of God? You got to give diligence to this, saints. We got to give diligence to this thing. And once you start, it's not difficult to turn everything off in the house and find you a quiet place and sit down and get in the Bible. It's not difficult to go sit down at lunchtime, go sit by yourself and get in the Word of God. It's not difficult. It's not. And you know what I've discovered, and this just might be me. I discovered that it's different picking up this book and reading this book than picking up my iPad or my iPhone and reading what's there. I don't know. It's something different about getting in the pages of the book. That's just a little tidbit to give you. It's something about searching this Bible. Mm. Let me go on. Y'all still in the house? I want to get to the end of this because it is from faith, all right? It's from the finished work. I want to get to, to all of this is tied in here, all right? So, so we got to give diligence. And, and faith is giving diligence is going to come as we get in the Word of God. And when we give diligence to the Word of God, our faith is going to begin to grow. Here the writer compares the Word of God to a sword, as you read this. Well, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And he is not suggesting, listen now, that the Word, God uses Word to kill saints. Listen now, all right? It's true that the Word of God convicts our hearts, our wills. The Word of God defeats Satan. 
the Greek translation for the word sword here, and you know, I was looking at this word sword. Sword is just word with an S in front of it. That's all sword is. Ooh, Lord, have mercy. Here, it was a short sword or short dagger. And the emphasis is on the power of the Word of God to penetrate and expose the inner being of man, to expose our will. And he says the Word is a discerner. The Word is a critic. The Word is a critic of our wills. The Word is a critic. The Word is a judger of our wills. Oh, Lord, have mercy. The Israelites criticized God's Word instead of allowing the Word of God to judge them. They heard the Word and they became angry with God and they criticized it. And consequently, they lost their inheritance. Let's not fall in the same condemnation, saints. We've got to allow God's word to judge us. Allow his word to criticize us so that it can bring salvation, deliverance, and healing and prosperity to you. Now, God sees our hearts. I'm almost done. But, 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 but we don't always know what's in our hearts. That's why we need the word. We need the word to, to, to judge us. The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17 and 9. So God, but God will use his word to enable us to see the sin and the unbelief in our own hearts. Get in the word of God and he'll show you yourself. He'll show you your will. He'll show you the unbelief that's in you. You said this, but look at you. The word of God enables our hearts to obey God. Our inner being, our will to obey God and claim his promises. That's why each of us have to be diligent in applying ourselves to hear and heed God's word. We need his word. We need his word, saints. We need his word. In the word, we see God. We see how God sees us. But we also see ourselves as we really are. Get in the Word of God. And this experience enables us to be honest with God, to trust His will, and to, be, and to obey God. All of this is possible because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. God rested when He finished His work of creation. Jesus rested when He completed the work of the new creation. If you're not in faith, then you've missed me getting to this point. And not only have you missed me getting to this point, but you're going to miss what God wants to do in your life. When I pray now in the name of Jesus that anybody that's not in faith today is stepping through the door. You're probably at the threshold of it. And I pray that you're stepping through the door of faith today. Hallelujah. I pray that that measure of faith is being activated in you right now. As you hear this critical part of this message today, I decree and declare it in the name of Jesus. By the power and the authority of the Most High God, I decree and declare that anybody that's not in faith is stepping through the door right now. I thank you, Lord God, that eyes are being opened right now 
the eyes of minds are being opened right now. I thank you for supernatural understanding now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, right now, hallelujah, for ears and eyes that are being opened now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for what you're doing right now. Hearts and minds have been opened to receive your word right now. God rested when he finished the work of creation. Jesus rested when he completed the work of the new creation. We can enter his rest by trusting his word and obeying his will. We can enter his rest just by trusting his word and obeying it. Stop arguing with God. Stop debating God. Come on. God loves you with an everlasting love. There is nothing that God is going to put on you that you cannot bear. Nothing. There is nothing that God will ask of you that will harm you. God loves you. Hallelujah. Listen to the word of God. Listen to God. God right now, he's giving uncanny understanding of his word right now. Trust him. Obey it. This is the only way we can claim our inheritance in Christ. The other side of this is that you are still laboring. You are still heavy laden with sin. You're trying to work stuff out for yourself, and it's not going to work. Listen, I mentioned Canaan earlier. Jericho was on the way to Canaan. Before Joshua conquered Jericho, he went out to survey the situation. He met the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm real particular about putting Jesus in the Old Testament, but when you look at this thing and you look at the explanation of it in Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, and Jesus is alive from the foundation of the world, so he could be wherever God wants him to be, so he meets, he meets the Lord Jesus Christ in, Gen, in, in Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, and he wants to know, let me just read it for you right quick. I tell you, I'm almost done. Y'all still here? Yeah, 13, verse 13. He says, hallelujah, glory to God. He says, and it came to pass when Joshua was, was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite, with, opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand, and Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for the adversaries? So he said, no, but as commander of the Lord, of the army of the Lord, I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped. And said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. The commander of the Lord's army was there. You know why I know it's not an angel? Because if he had been an angel, the angel would have rebuked him when he failed to worship him. Anywhere else in Scripture, when, when, when men try to worship angels, they rebuke them. But here, he received the worship. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. And you know what Joshua discovered? Joshua discovered that he was second in command. Oh. Oh, Hallelujah. The Lord had a sword drawn and Joshua fell at his feet in complete submission. And listen now. It was this action in private that gave Joshua victory in public. You hear me? It was this action in private. He wasn't before the church so everybody could see him falling down. It was this action in private. I'm saying it again. 
It was this action in private that gave Joshua victory in public. I heard a lady say the other day, some of us know how to carpet in church smell, but we don't know how a carpet at home smells. Because there's stuff we will do publicly that we don't do privately. Lord, help us. I'm almost done. I, I didn't intend to take this long. Yes, I did. I, pre I prepared it. Lord, forgive me for saying that. Hallelujah. Let me say this, and I'm done. This message is so vital to our faith because faith begins from the finished work. Jesus finished the work on Calvary, and he provided a rest for his people. Your rest will come in your faith. Faith begins from the finished work. We don't speak to make things happen. We speak because they've already happened. Y'all not hearing me. Jesus said, it is finished. Israel missed it. They didn't enter the rest. The Lord said, there remains a rest for the people of God. What is that rest? How do you enjoy your spiritual inheritance in Christ? That's what it is through faith. Faith begins from the finished work. When Jesus said it is finished, salvation was finished. Healing was finished. Deliverance was finished. Prosperity was finished. Whatever we need was finished. The work has been done. We're supposed to be resting, not laboring. When we speak, it's not Speaking to make something happen is because they've already happened. All oh, that the church would be in faith. All oh, that we would believe God's word. Oh, that we would believe his word so that we will walk in the supernatural power of God. It's finished. The peace is finished. Salvation is finished. Joy is finished. Oh, Lord God. What do you need? It's finished. It's finished. So now you can speak those things that be that as though they are, and you can see them come to pass because you're not speaking as if something is going to happen. It's already happened. You know, actually, we're trying to catch up with God. God's already done it. Jesus is already seated at the right hand of God, ever living to make intercession for us. He's sitting back there looking out at us and saying, why don't they believe? Why don't they realize I've already finished the work? 
We're hollering and screaming and praying. We're fasting. We're anointing folk with oil. And, and we're crying and we're laboring over. And we need to be decreeing and declaring in the name of Jesus and calling it forth and leaving a rest to God because it is finished. What do you need? Get a revelation of this. Young people, get a revelation of this. Let me tell you something. If you're not married, your wife or your husband is finished. You ain't got to do a whole lot of dating. It's finished. God, I decree and declare in the name of Jesus that this person you've designed for me will come forth in the name of Jesus. Don't waste your time looking around and trying this one out and trying to. You're not test driving cars. And young ladies, don't be a test drive. Mm. Don't be somebody's test drive. Don't be somebody's tryout. To put a ring on my finger. Put a robe on my shoulder. Take me into my castle. You say you love me, then prove it. Because it's finished, y'all. That's where faith begins. I said all of that to bring us to the point because if we, don't, if, we, if we don't understand what God is saying in the scriptures, we'll be just like Israel and we won't enter our rest. We're supposed to be resting now. I heard Creflo Dollar preach a long time ago that the anointing brings ease. Ooh. The anointing of God can do what all the hollering and screaming can't do. Over the years in church, we've been yelled to and screamed to and spit on. And I've been guilty too. And we left church with a good feeling and not built up in faith. You're supposed to be going out laying hands on the sick that they might recover. You're not supposed to be coming in here every Sunday looking for me to motivate you. You ought to be motivated. You ought to be coming back with testimonies. Pastor, this week, I, I was on my job, and the Lord brought this person to me, and the Lord showed me this person and gave me a word to give to this person. When I gave the word to that person, breakthrough came in their lives. That should be your testimony. Pastor, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord uh, brought me in contact with this person. They didn't have any food to eat, and I didn't have but $10, but I took them to the store, and I, brought, and I bought food from them, and I blessed their lives. And, Pastor, guess what? Before I got home, the Lord had doubled the money in my pocket. I don't know where that money came from. You're not supposed to be coming in here every Sunday looking to get blessed, looking like tired, 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 wet, wet, tired, wet chickens or something like that, ready to go to sleep. You're supposed to be coming up here excited about what God has done in your life. Glory to God. How, how God has used you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You remember those men that Jesus sent out and they came back excited. Master, even the demons were subject to us. That's where you're supposed to be because you're in faith. You understand the finished work. It starts from there. Whew. Let's stand. Glory to God. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah.